Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. You're the first one in, last one out, and you do whatever it takes to succeed. Nonetheless, 25 million Americans have chosen the entrepreneurial life because it's equal parts demanding and fulfilling. Welcome to the People First, Then Profit podcast. Join hospitality veteran, photographer, and entrepreneur Don Mamoni each week as he hosts a candid, no-holds-barred conversation with successful business owners and entrepreneurs eager to share their professional secrets with you. Like his crazy Italian family does on Sunday nights, he's serving up a healthy portion of inspiration, motivation, and education, so I hope you're hungry. Now, here's your host, Don Mamoni. All right, everybody, welcome back to the People First and Profit podcast. I'm so excited to have Roger Burnett here with me today. Roger and I are going to talk about purpose-based marketing and his efforts to stop what they call the brand fill. And uh, I'm super excited because it basically takes a mission that's so important to me, and that's people and people first, and how he can have you promoting your business, your mission, your message, but also then helping others. Thanks for being here today, Roger. Thank you, Don, especially as we are on the precipice of tomorrow, November 13th is World Kindness Day. No way. This is a very timely discussion for you and I to be having. What an amazing uh, tidbit of knowledge. I didn't know that, but I'm going to now have to do something for World Kindness Day because obviously that's a tenant in our businesses. I'm sure it is in many others. Agreed. So we're going to start by uh, reading this bio, which is unbelievable. And I'm going to try to do my absolute very best to give it all the focus and attention it deserves. So who do we have with us today? We have Roger, co-founder of Promo Cares and Promo Kitchen, host of the popular So You're in Sales podcast, executive producer of the Promo Cares radio podcast, and co-author of the book Red Goldfish Promo Edition. Roger offers a unique perspective on the many values of organizational alignment and the way purpose capably serves as the fifth P of marketing. Roger is founder of Social Good Promotions, a social enterprise built to teach and deliver purpose-based marketing strategies to businesses of all sizes, while also donating marketing services to nonprofit organizations in the communities they serve. Self-designed hashtag good news warriors, so good employees connect commerce with purpose to help companies tell the story of their brand. Using promotional marketing campaigns, creating lead generating virtual and in-person events, and performing sales and marketing consulting for businesses looking to improve results. A longtime volunteer leader, Roger is widely recognized as a volunteer organization thought leader, guiding nonprofit organization leadership through transformative periods of growth and providing new levels of member engagement to those being served by those organizations. Thank you for being here again, Roger. That is sometimes difficult to listen to someone read something about you like that, like you just did for me. The thing that I was really interested that stuck with me is just how much the nonprofit community is really in need of that kind of guidance and thought leadership at this moment. So yeah. So thanks for having me, Don. I appreciate it. Man, I, I hope I did it justice. Uh, I don't often have the opportunity. To, and you're right. First of all, you're right. It is so hard to listen to somebody read your bio because we're typically humble servants at heart. And you, my friend, have done all the things that I think are so critically important in that you you talk the talk about how important these things are, but then you walk the walk by basically helping individuals and organizations do more, do better, do good for others. And so I just, I guess on behalf of my audience, my listeners and, and myself, I want to thank you for that. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's not work. It's fun when you're doing things that are important and they're important to you it has a way of getting you up out of the bed in the morning. It absolutely does. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about this. When you and I chatted, we we talked about the fact that when you were a kid, you have this memory about hiding on the floor 
from a door-to-door salesman with your mother. Tell me about it. So the book opens literally with me asking my mom, seven-year-old me asking my mom, why are we lying on the floor? There's a salesperson at the door and long story short, not a happy situation at the Burnett household. And yeah. that really predated, that goes back to mom was a girl. And you know, the salespeople used to pull on people. I mean, literally vacuum cleaner salespeople would come with a bag of dirt. And when the door opened, they'd throw dirt on your carpet. They had no choice but to use the vacuum to show you a product demonstration. So you can imagine how that's a little bit of an uncomfortable situation. In a lot of ways, that same intrusion is the intrusion that we feel today, like on LinkedIn, when someone goes from connection request rate to pitch, like, mm-hmm. no, thank you. And while we have a digital facade to serve the role of gatekeeper for us, back in the day, didn't let anybody know you were home when a salesperson came to the door. That created a dissonance for me because I'd been taught that that word was inherently an evil term. Sales is something that you subject someone to. It's something that you bully them into. I think it was, is it Zig Ziglar that said sales is not something you do to someone. It is something that you do for someone. Lots of people, you know, people don't buy from, they don't want to buy from anyone. They don't want to be sold, but they want to buy. If they make the decision, it's up to them to do it. You yeah. don't want anybody to convince them otherwise. You know, it's, it's, it's inherent in what sales has been historically, which is persuasion. It creates this whole separate dynamic that removes the control from the salesperson and puts it in control of the buyer. Big, long discussion we can have about why that happens. But you know, sure. ultimately, at the end of the day, when salespeople are not experts at what they do, they have to rely on trying to convince people to do things that they may otherwise not want to do. That is uh, an exceptional correlation. So when you're the subject matter expert and you can perfectly align your brand proposition to the want and need of a client, it's the point at which they buy from you happily because they recognize that you're going to solve their problem. And I think that there's a very, very smart gentleman that I've come to know and come to favor. His name is Myron Golden, and he talks about the importance of words and the words that you just used are so important. And that's sort of the difference between convincing someone and persuading someone. The way that I liken that is if you're convincing someone, it's you're trying to get them to put the shoes on the wrong feet. If you're persuading someone, you're giving them a shoehorn to help them get their their foot in the shoe, right? Because you're really just trying to help them understand why your value proposition is going to solve their problem. And uh, so I I love the way that you tied those together. I'd take it one step further and say, I want you to see me as the shoe putting on expert. And you're I'm not even the shoehorn. I'm the person you come to that you say like, I'm trying to be more efficient at putting my shoes on. What can you help me with to help me be capable of doing that? So talk a little bit more about your journey. What brought you to where you are today? So remember, this is all pre-internet. Sure. So my how what was really bothering me was I was having this internal conflict for myself, and yet I'm a competitor. I, I grew up playing sports. I've always been a competitive person. So when we would sit around the table at the end of the month and calculate our commissions, I saw people that I believed I was far more talented than making more money than me. And it was really bothering me because if I can't do this to the level of people that I think I'm already more talented than I have a real problem and I either need to quit or I need to figure this out. So mm-hmm. I assumed a persona mm-hmm. in the book. We call it the anti-salesperson. I, I, what I wanted to be able to do was to equip the person making the buying decisions with the questions that no one would tell them to ask. Mm-hmm. And if I could convince you that the questions I was trying to give you were legit, then the likelihood of you, one, making an informed buying decision skyrocketed and two, consequently, your trust in me also came along for the ride. So 
I tried to arm you with the right information, hoping that eventually you would see me as the most trustworthy person as a result. Two follow-up questions then for you as a, as a, as a marketing and sales aficionado. One, how do you feel about the old ABC, right? Always be closing. How do you feel about that sentiment? <sighs> well, closing to me means different things. In sales, especially in enterprise sales, what my training taught me is a close could be an advance. Okay, so inherently the ABC idea can feel dirty. What I'm saying is a close is a commitment from the prospect to move to the next stage mm -hmm. in what's happening on the journey for them. The difference that the internet has created is by the time they get to us as the salespeople, they're much further along in the buying process than what used to occur. You know, so sure. historically in sales, you had to do a more uh, regimented are we at the stage, Mr. Customer, that it's okay for me to move you to the next step? Mm -hmm. Now you have to be a little bit more adept by the time you get that person come to you to read them on where they are in that process because you want to meet them there yep. and be able to move them the rest of the way to whatever that conversion looks like. But the first thing you have to find out is what are they really trying to do and where are they in that process with respect to why did they come to you now? Mm-hmm. And usually it's a lot later in the process than it's been before. But as far as like, is it still our job to move the people down funnel? Absolutely. Always sure. will be. And I love that because uh, it makes the the seller, the person who's in the marketing and sales situation, think about awareness, which I think is oftentimes lost on people, right? If you can identify where your customer, what their level of awareness is, it will allow you to make sure that you're talking to them at the right stage of sort of that funnel. My, my second follow-up to that was, uh, it sounds like you and I are very well aligned in that uh, you don't believe sort of in the high pressure concept. And you certainly don't believe in talking bad about the other person that's in your game. It's more about talking about why all the reasons why, why you are a better solution. Your, va your value and brand proposition is better. Is that accurate? Um, I'm not afraid to have a discussion about a competitor. I think, you know, historically it, it always had been, well, you know, I don't talk bad about anybody. What I think you can do is to say, my experience in those instances where I've been in situations where that particular vendor was involved, mm -hmm. here are the things that I've per personally been witness to. And right. if you, but you have to leave it at that. And it's yeah. up to that person to ultimately decide the value judgment on what weight does what you say carry with them. Mm -hmm. I don't walk in immediately and ask like, okay, well, let me see who I can run down here. That's, yeah. that's not what this is about. And what I'm hoping to convey by having an opinion about my competitors is that I have expertise that shows that I'm a credible partner in the market, that mm -hmm. I've participated long enough to know not only what I do, but how it compares. And oftentimes what I'm trying to do, Don, is say to the client, like, look, you're going to have some things that are unique to you. And I'm never going to make you feel like you're not special. But what I want you to recognize is that your problems probably aren't unique. You're unique, but your problems are not. So if I can figure out how your problems look like some of the other problems I've already solved, mm -hmm. I can contextualize the conversation in my experience. And if I can't, then I need to say I can't. But right. if I can, then I should. It's, it, it's up to us to be able to demonstrate that expertise. It's interesting because you have basically crystallized a little bit of what I talk about. I always joke around and I say, you know, always be closing is sort of outdated in a bit because I don't feel like you should be in a high pressure situation. And, and you're right. You want to move them down the funnel. I think that's without strong arming and everything. And so I always joke around to a certain degree, but I'm also very serious. And I say, it's always be caring. 
And the reason that yeah. is, is because you got to care about the person, not just the business, right? And so if you, again, take an interest in what their unique uh, needs, wants are, even if their problems are the same as everybody else's, you're going to show yourself as the clear choice, the, the, well, the value, the brand that they want to invest in. And you said something in the first part of the question that I thought was really relevant because in the book, we talk about this thing called the trust index. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I believe today more so than ever before is the first thing any person should do is consider where they are in their trust relationship with the person they're about to deal with. Mm -hmm. And if you're smart about that, you can recognize where you are in those continuums. Mm -hmm. You can build yourself activities that you can rely on based on where you are in that moment Mm -hmm. And not have to like come up with, oh my God, how am I going to make this person move down funnel with me? Well, it's by using your trust level and by thinking about where you are and focusing your activities, especially when you're at the top of the funnel mm -hmm. on growing your trustworthiness with those people so that they start seeing you as a viable choice when they start thinking about the problems they have. Yep. And if you it's don't do that work, then you really don't give yourself the opportunity to get to that moment where they're like, you know what? I trust that person enough. Even if I haven't bought anything from them yet, I've seen enough out of them mm -hmm. to make me feel confident that I can get what I need done with them because this is the difference. Because I believe that we've kind of put ourselves in a position to show our expertise. I'm expecting by the time you come to me that I don't have to really be that persuasive. And the no like, and trust is more important than ever. And the long game, you got to be in it for the long game, because it, especially in, in the world of where people start to, to know you, and then they like you, they become your brand fan, and then they trust you. I think that just takes a little bit longer in a lot of situations these days. And so uh, I go one step further, and, and your brand is already something that aligns exceptionally well with this because of the work that you do you're taking people on an emotional journey. You're helping them understand how what they do can intrinsically benefit others. And so I always say it's no like trust, then it's love, cherish, and adore. You just keep, oh, keep, oh. keep pushing them down the path, Roger. All right. I'll take that. So story brand. Thanks, Don Miller, for the training. That was really expensive, but very valuable. Love that. Love so that. We're the guide. Customer is the hero. We're trying to help them achieve whatever they're trying to get to achieve a transformational identity that they see. And if you can help be the guide on that journey for that person, they will never leave your side ever and forever because you're incredibly valuable to them. But if you don't know enough about what being on that journey is about, you can't serve as the guide. There's so many things that you need to do in order to be able to sound like what we're talking about. But it's not hard. It's just a matter of committing yourself to one, recognizing that this is the way you have to organize your activity. Mm -hmm. And two, committing sales time to these practices that are ultimately going to end up benefiting you. Yeah. So if you convert more and, and you do it faster, you're going to have yourself a little machine that uh, promotes conversion, but it also promotes loyalty and recommendation. And I think everybody out there knows that it's much, much, much easier and cheaper to keep the client that you have. We touched on it already, but, but the next uh, conversation I want to have with you was about trust in marketing, about the caveat emptor kind of idea where you're sort of putting the burden of proof on the consumer to buy or beware. And then let's take it one step further, because I know you've talked on this. Trust is increasingly important amidst the COVID pandemic that the world is facing right now. So let's just go ahead and attack that in any direction you want to. So you and I are having a conversation as peers. And mm -hmm. I tell you that I'm about to make an expenditure for the business that it's, it's not insignificant. Mm -hmm. They need more so more now than ever to feel like they can defense, sensibly explain to anyone mm -hmm. who would question why they'd make an expenditure. 
Mm -hmm. And if you've not given that person all of the ammunition that they need, their ability to pull the trigger on saying yes is affected, mm -hmm. right? So in Dr. Stephen M. R. Covey's book, The Speed of Trust, he reduces this to an equation. Mm -hmm. He basically says results in business are measured by strategy, execution, and trust. Okay. But the interesting part of the way he analyzes this algorithm is it's strategy multiplied by execution raised to the power of trust. Mm. So two organizations with similar strategies who are executing similarly, if one organization has a higher level of trust, mm -hmm. they're going to outperform. And basically what they're saying is trust is exponentially more important. So you can have a bad strategy, but be doing your best with it, but people trust you, you can survive. That was the, that was the, the interesting thing. The minute you said was measured to a power of, in my mind, I thought exponential and exponential growth, exponential trust, exponential anything in your business that's on the positive side of, of what you're doing is what you're going for. If the person that's making that decision doesn't trust, it could be the best decision for them in the world. And they probably won't be very likely to do it because there's a lot of risk on their side, because what maybe before would have been a slap on the wrist could potentially bankrupt a company. Mm -hmm. because of what's going on. So you have to consider what's going on with the human on the other side of what's going on mm -hmm. and create an environment where they can be honest with you about what their fears are with respect to give me the ammunition, Roger, to defend what it is I'm about to do with you because I am potentially going to come under scrutiny for this decision. And one of the things that, that we can distill from that, Roger, is trust begets action. Right. So the minute they hit a certain level of trust, once once you can tip the scale or whatever, the needle moves far enough, whatever analogy you want to use, once they hit that level of trust, they're most likely then going to take action in one direction or the other. Right. If they don't trust, then they're not going to buy or they're not going to invest or they're not going to be your partner. But if you move that needle, then then action is going to happen in the positive and they're going to book you, which I mean, ultimately, that's what you want. You want to make sure that you're curating a client list. If they're not the right fit, if you can't solve their need or want, then they should go somewhere else. I think, I mean, really what we're fighting is not the comp competition. It's a no decision. Mm -hmm. You have to be sufficiently trustworthy to motivate someone to do something beyond what they're doing right now, which is not doing something. All right. So you wrote a really interesting book. The title of that book is Red Goldfish Promo Edition, How Promotional Products Leverage Purpose to Increase Impact. Give the audience sort of the intro into that concept and let's talk about it for a second. Everyone listening has at one point in their life gone to a trade show, job fair, something at a conference center that maybe we don't ever get to do again. We'll see. But our industry, the $26 billion industry that is the promotional marketing industry, basically is what gets exchanged between the attendee of that conference and the people who are putting it on. And all you need to know about my industry can be found in the garbage cans at the doors of those places. And it hurts my heart like nobody's business to think that I, in doing what I do every day, being the person who didn't want to be a salesperson who was evil to start with, the idea of the fact that things that I would sell would go right into the waste stream is a tough thing for me to swallow. Mm -hmm. And so there, I'm not alone in that. There's a, a fair number of 
my tribe in our marketplace that feel the same way. So back in 18, we set upon a journey to see if there was a way for us to reverse that narrative. Mm -hmm. And the way we chose to try to do that was to highlight and document the stories of businesses within our marketplace that were doing amazing things in this wide litany of categories, but all centered around the idea, are you making the world a better place in some way by virtue of what you do? And the answer was a resounding yes. And the stories were so rich. And I really served as the chief reporter for most of that, all of the research that I did in unearthing and telling these stories that I found three things, three key themes that kept repeating themselves over and over and over again. One, the companies that I were interviewing were experiencing record sales. Regardless of what was going on in the marketplace, they were outperforming it and in a noteworthy kind of way. Two, their employees never leave. They sometimes are wooed away with uh, lures of more money. And mm -hmm. what ultimately they tell leadership is, we realize that more money isn't always as important as really loving what you do and who you do it with. Mm -hmm. And so it has a way of weaving the culture of the organization even more tightly together. And then lastly, raving fans of customers who were eyeing referrals to bring to the doors of these businesses. It was abundantly evident to me that this was a go-to-market strategy that if it it was done authentically and from the heart mm -hmm. that this really is a way if you want to communicate something in the marketplace that makes people want to think about you purpose is a great way to do it but you can't half-ass it you have to either really want to do it or don't even start man so, i gotta tell you authentic authentic genuine purpose-driven companies not only speak to then their institution right both inside their organization and the industry at large but then they speak to the customer right so it literally is the definition of the rising tide because it, you might look at it and say, oh, well, it's great for the marketplace, the industry or the customer, but it's really hard in the organization because you know, you have to pay people less or something that, that would affect the operation. But what you're telling us is based on proven research that you guys have done and now the proof of concept of your company and this book that you've put together, you can literally say the organization does better. They have less turnover and higher tenure in their employment. They are speaking to a marketplace, their sales are up, their loyalty and brand champion is off the charts. So there, there really is no downside. Do you have any examples of this? Can you give us just give us a couple companies that we might relate to? One of my favorite stories is Ray Del Muro, who owns Refresh Glass. He's a crazy scientist who quit his high paying engineering job at Toyota because it was robbing him of his soul and he wanted to do something more for the universe than just be an engineer. So he took a year long trip, 33 cities in 29 countries and came home and founded this company called Refresh Glass with a mission to save 10 million wine bottles from destruction. Mm. Now, wine bottles, and why would you be saving them? They're recycled. Well, glass is incredibly difficult to recycle and most glass that goes to recycling actually ends up in the dirt at the recycling center. Mm. Mm. Big, big explanation for why that is. But so Ray decided he wanted to be able to rescue those bottles and turn them into beautiful objects that people would want. And the result was refreshed glass. It's recycled packaging, recycled glass. It's it's every amazing closed loop story. And there's this great story about waste management and the Phoenix Open. And they were able to do a closed loop system where they rescued all the wine bottles from the event, turned them into waste management branded products, and then gave them away at the waste management sustainability conference that happened like two months later. So they literally took the product and turned it back into a gift. It's amazing.
Yeah. So, and, you know, we've got countless stories like that within the book. And then, you know, my supply chain is curated from nothing other than businesses like the one I just described. So when you're buying something from me, mm -hmm. you know, the options I'm going to bring back to you are going to somehow make the world a better place because that's what we're going to do. So basically what we're telling the audience is all the wonderful things about how the companies that are doing these things to employ this strategy are benefiting their employees, the marketplace, the community, the industry, sort of, it's again, that rising tide floats all boat concept. And they can promote their company in a fun, unique way and still basically ensure that those things aren't ending up in, it's it's said humorously, but it's not, it's not a joke, is the brand fill, right? Somebody takes all of those things that they work so hard to put together and they just throw them away. So it's we so can, bad. it's so bad. I mean, I've been to a ton of conferences and the guy did it. I would, I would weed through it be like, oh, this information's interesting. I'll either take a picture of it on my phone or I'll keep that. But, you know, I don't need another pen. I don't need another squishy ball. I don't need another lens cleaner. And so they would oftentimes end up in the garbage. So uh, I just love that we can take what you've told us and we can distill it down into a couple different verticals, right? The marketplace itself, the company, the employees, everybody's winning over there. And then us as small, medium and large size businesses can promote what we do, which might not be something that is particularly sustainable or doesn't actually offer that. And by extension, know that we're doing the same. We're, we're helping out the industry, the community, those employees, and, and rewarding that company for the efforts they put forth on our behalf. I love it everything about it. Makes your brand memorable. And if you go to our landing page at socialgoodpromotions.com, our landing page says, be the brand they remember. This is what this is about. Mm -hmm. People say to me all the time, they're like, I waste money on marketing all the time. And yeah, most people do because they don't know what they want to say. Mm -hmm. And what we're saying is, this is what you want to say. You want to say the things that make people remember you in comparison to whatever else they might buy what you do from. They need to get there, see it, hear other people talk about great what you're doing is. And if they believe it to be true, they will flock. And it's remarkable because we all spend countless hours, or we should be, if you're not, shame on you, but we spend countless hours and, and money to create a brand that you want to, to be unique, to be identifiable, to have ownership in your market, to draw people towards you, to attract people's attention. And then you put it on something that gets thrown away, that has, has no uniqueness, has no social good. The fact that we can do it now uh, through your research and through your book is exceptional. So you jumped ahead a little bit and you told people where to find you. And that's on your website, which is socialgoodpromotions.com, correct? Yep. And they can source the book there as well, which is Red goldfish promo edition, how promotional products leverage purpose to increase impact. I'd say Amazon's the best place to get that. Amazon's the best place to get that. Okay. So go to the website for information and resources, go to Amazon to get the book, which we're going to help out all the listeners because we're going to just go ahead and put those in the show notes. I wrap up every podcast with a fun little thing I call the lightning round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Okay. So since we're at that time of year, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish at the Thanksgiving table? Stuffing. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And I'm Italian and I'll tell you this, we make pepperoni stuffing and it's amazing. It's so delicious. I've had the Italian sausage in the stuffing, but the pepperoni now. All right. Very similar. Mental note. Mental note. I'm telling you. All right. So you talked about wine bottles from one of your clients. What's your favorite kind of wine? Oh, I'm, I'm cab. hundred percent cab. That's our go-to. We love it, man. We are all about it for sure. I don't do anything halfway, including wine. So Emily and I always drink these like big, hairy, bold Cabernets. And then somebody who, who tastes it with us is like, wow, that's what I'm like, yeah, that's how we roll. That's what we do. All right. So if you're going to go on vacation, is it beach or is it mountain? Oh, can it be an adventure? And it has some of both. 
Sure. Absolutely. Like, we just did eight day whitewater rafting trip of the Grand Canyon this summer, my whole family. So that was incredible. Oh my gosh. I, I saw the Grand Canyon for the first time about a year and a half ago. And I got to say that, you know, some people are like, I mean, it's cool. It's a big holding ground, man. I had like sort of a transcendental experience there. I think it's really, really gorgeous. Go to the bottom. It will change your life. Yeah, I didn't make it down there, but I, I, that's, I guess my next trip is, is something I'll have to do. I love the, what, the facts that you want to explore. And I'm, I'm a Southern California kid from years back. And so it was always fun. We could go to the beach one day in the mountains and snow, you know, uh, ski the next. So, well, Roger, this has been an unbelievably educational experience for me. As you know, with the people first, then profit rally cry, obviously what you're doing is akin to saving the world in my eyes and in my mind and in my heart. So uh, I look forward to engaging with you both in this space, educating the people about it, and also hopefully getting some promotional products in 2021 for our brand and, and for our businesses. Is there anything uh, you want to say to our audience before we go? When you think about this stuff, really what you want people to do is to walk away. And when they come back to whatever it is you gave them, they're like, yeah, I remember what those people were about. So it's not really the thing you give them. It's the story that goes along with it. And people have never really been more interested in the story than today. So if you're good at telling the story while you're giving the product, it becomes a commemorative instead of something you're just giving them. You remind me of the Maya Angelou effect that we talk about in our business because we're huge storytellers and we believe in it. And one of the things that we like to say is obviously Maya Angelou is famous for the quote, people will forget what you say, people will forget what you did but they'll never ever forget how you made them feel. And clearly, Roger, your mission in creating these social promotion products is to not only have an impact on your customer and their guest, but to tell a story. I'm so glad you brought that as your last thought. Thank you for that great piece of final wisdom. Uh, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. One more time, guys, this is Roger Burnett. You can find all of his information at socialgoodpromotions.com and you can hop on Amazon and buy his book, Red Goldfish Promo Edition how promotional products leverage purpose to increase impact. Roger, thank you so much for coming today. I really very much appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the People First in Profit podcast. If you like this episode, and I'm pretty sure you did, subscribe, review, and share it with your friends, fans, and followers wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for additional information about this week's guest, as well as a list of all the links and resources we discussed. Be sure to visit peoplefirstinprofit.com for a ton of great content, free resources, and links to the People First in Profit community. All right, I'm Adam Wilmore, and on behalf of your host, Don Mamoni, we'll see you next week. Thank you.